Underway this hour of Flames Talk. Welcome to our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg, Wes, along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And uh, I think as we get this Thursday going, the most logical place to start is the hockey thing, the hockey decision that most Flames fans, I feel anyway, are buzzing about just based on the mentions on my social media, it seems like Dustin Wolf is the topic that most people are talking about. Officially sent to the AHL Wranglers on Thursday, but it was a move that, at least for you and I, Wes, both on and off mic, we've kind of been talking about it. It feels like this has been telegraphed for quite some time. It feels like the last week or two, this day, whenever it was going to be, seemed like it was just an inevitability and well now it's done he's going to start the season with the Wranglers and I I know for me I was not super surprised by that in fact wasn't surprised in the slightest I was expecting this day at some point before the start of the season yeah this sure felt like a foregone conclusion didn't it and even since maybe two or three days into training camp I I remember Ryan Huska being asked about his goaltending and and stressing the depth at the position, but also saying that he personally believes both Jake Markstrom and Dan Vladar are capable of being starters in yep. the NHL. And so from that point forward, it, it just sort of seemed like, okay, well, as long as both Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar are on the roster, the plan is that Dustin Wolf is going to start the season in the AHL and, and maybe spend the majority of the season in the AHL. And, I guess that's the part that we don't know the answer to yet, but I was kind of, I guess, kind of in the same boat as you. We we understand why this move is is news in Calgary. I, I certainly understand why fans are, are a little bit up in arms about it, and yet we knew this was coming. I, I don't think it should make it easier on Dustin Wolf. You know, I'm sure he's a little bit ticked off about it today, but... He knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. It landed today. So I, I get, and, and I think that the anger or the frustration comes because you look at what he's done in the American League. I mean, for a goaltender who's 22 years old, is there much more to accomplish other than being a league MVP and a two-time goaltender of the year? No, not really. You've pretty much done it all. Um and, and I think that there is a lot of truth to that, but the team still has to do this all correctly. And a team can't make short-sighted moves or detrimental moves just to satisfy one player. And I want to, what, what I mean by that is not that Dustin Wolf is making demands because he's not in any way, shape or form, but you can't make moves and make organizational decisions just for one player. 
And so they, they need to do this correctly. And they have the advantage of time. They have at maximum one more season where they've got time on their side. He becomes waiver eligible next year. So they've got the one more year where they've got that ability. It's not like Wolf is coming off a transcendent training camp. He was fine. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. It was just a fine training camp. They can't keep three goaltenders. Having three from a logistics standpoint makes no sense. We saw that movie a decade ago. They also can't for cap reasons. If you've seen their salary cap, they can't have three goaltenders on their salary cap. It, it wouldn't make any sense. They can't put Dan Vladar on waivers. That would be silly. They also can't trade him for a poor return. That wouldn't make any sense. That's We're always screaming about asset management, so you can't manage another asset poorly just so that you can maybe make room for another. As a few people told me, as a few people I spoke with with the organization told me on this Thursday, Dustin's time will come. It is coming. Dustin's time in the NHL is upon us. It's just not on October 5th. It's probably not on November 5th. They know it. The Flames know his time will come, and it's not that far away. They've communicated that to him. Part of the message with him going down is, okay, not right now, but your time is coming. We know who you are. We know what you're capable of. Go and continue to be that guy in the American League, and we're not that far away from you getting your shot up here and this being the place that you are full-time. So I, I don't see this as a massive mistake. I don't see this as a massive slap in the face. I don't see this as anything but the only way they could handle the situation as it stands right now. I think the rub, and everyone understands what you just laid out, that you're not going to carry three goalies, that you wouldn't want to lose Dan Vladar for nothing. You raise a whole bunch of valid points. And I, I think the rub is, well, when is it going to be the right time to make this decision? What, you know, this... Dustin Wolf didn't just become the AHL's MVP and two-time goalie of the year at the start of September, and there hasn't been time to figure out how to get him on your roster. Do you, do you want to know why the trade offers for Dan Vladar are no good? Because everyone knows you got to move them to yeah. make room for Dustin Wolf. So I, I would be fine with today's move. If I was Dustin Wolf, I'd be I'd be fine with it today in the sense of okay, guys, I get it. But at what point do you stop getting it? What what would Dustin Wolf have to do for you to consider this season in the AHL as a step forward in his development? You know, how many games does he have to win? What does his save percentage have to be? How many shutouts does he have to have for you to say, yeah, you know what? Geez, Dustin Wolf's really developing nicely. I I think the anyone who's saying, geez, really Dustin Wolf to the minors, I think where they're coming from is you better not stagnate the development of your best prospect because you're not getting a good enough trade offer for Dan Vladar. Right. You know, so is is the difference between getting a third rounder and a fifth rounder for Dustin or for Dan Vladar? Worth what you potentially do in harm 
to Dustin Wolf. I don't think we're at the point where this needs to be a panic situation, but this has been a pressing matter. This has been on Craig Conroy's to-do list since the day he became general manager. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot of examples so far of Craig Conroy's patience paying off. And maybe it will in this case too, but I just don't know now if we're sitting here in January talking about Dustin Wolf still not having seen meaningful time in the NHL, I don't know how you're serving him best. So I hear that, and I I agree that there is a time when it does become detrimental to him. I do believe that. that, that I just don't think we're there yet. I don't think we'll be and there I yet agree. for quite some time. And the other thing is... And maybe that's the part where I don't agree. I'm not sure that the runway on this is as long... And I don't... Listen, you're not spoiling Dustin Wolf by leaving him in the minors, but what do you? What more do you want? Ryan Huska said the other day, he's, you know, he's really got not a whole lot left to prove in the AHL. Well, what do you do with a guy who has nothing left to prove in the AHL? You find a spot for him in the NHL. This is, you mentioned Ryan Huska. Let me play this. This was him on Thursday morning when the news came down after the Flames practiced. Uh, I asked him about kind of what the message is to all the guys, especially the ones like Dustin Wolf, Connor Zary, who were knocking on the door for an NHL spot. And then you followed up afterwards uh, specifically on Dustin Wolf. This was Ryan Huska from Thursday morning. We felt like a lot of them push and they're close. So this is sometimes a harder day for us because, you know, they're all right there and, and you just, you want them to continue to do what they were able to do in the camp for some of them. Um, so the challenge for them is to make sure they go down with a great attitude and be ready when called upon. Because really, when you look at it, um, you're never going to go through a season without needing to use um, a lot of your, your guys that are going to play for the Wranglers. So they need to make sure they're ready when their time comes. Based on the numbers, it's not a surprise that Dustin goes today, but specific to him, you, you've said you feel like he's an NHL goalie, yeah. so as you send him back to the Myers, what's the message to him today? Um, you know, one of the things that we said to him was, like you see last night's game, we, we want him to be, um, when his time comes, at the highest level he can possibly be at, so um, if he gets that, and when he gets that opportunity, he grabs hold of it and doesn't let it go, um, but also understanding that the reason why you got to be at the highest level is you see the types of shooters that are in the league by him being able to watch that game last night. They scored five goals on 13 shots. Um, so that's something for him to really keep in his mind just to just to help him make sure he stays eager and energized and, and push him to be at the, his very best. So that was Ryan Huska after the news of Dustin being sent to the American League. So the way, and, and here's the here's the fun part now. Fun for at least us on the outside. I don't know how fun it'll be for anybody else involved who's actually needing to go through this. But as I said, Wolf's time will come. And I believe Wolf's time will come at least in part this season. Before 82 regular season games are played. This season, I think, his time will start to come. Maybe, and and maybe it's not full-time until next season. Maybe it's full-time next month. Who knows the way that's going to play itself out? But they're, they're at the very least going to take a long look at this hybrid idea I've been talking about like since April and since he started his first game. The idea that many of you yelled about on the text line at 960-960 called me an idiot. And who knows? It may not work. I may remain an idiot. But 
I am excited to see the way that they work this through because I don't think it's going to be as simple as, yeah, Jacob and Dan will just play all the games in the NHL and Dustin and Oscar will be your AHL tandem. I do think at times they'll try to fit Dustin into an NHL game here and there. And maybe through the first half of the season, it's only four times, but that keeps him playing in the American League, keeps him fresh and and getting NHL time, keeps that carrot there that, hey, we are we're taking steps. It may not be the ultimate step of you're here full time, but it's a bigger step than last year, and it's a step proving that we are moving this thing forward. And that's how I think you can mitigate two things. The thing you're worried about when talking about messing with his development. And I think it also helps mitigate pissing him off and, and getting it, getting it to the point where he's frustrated and that frustration starts to build a little bit. So again, this is at most, and I don't even think it's ideal to go all season like this, but at most you've got this season where you can do this and then you don't have a choice. You time's no longer on your side, but in the meantime, when we're kind of in this limbo land, I do think there are ways to kind of st- stick two toes in different pools and and make it work that way, at least temporarily. Yeah, and, and maybe. Dust- Dustin Wolf is not a, a guy who certainly is going to sour easily. You know, he's a really likable, really down-to-earth young man. I don't I don't think even if he is ticked off that you're going to necessarily see a lot of signs of it, but your hybrid idea and, and not that it's just your idea. No, no, I came up with this myself. Yeah. Pat Steinberg's hybrid model (laughs) as it's known throughout the hockey world. Jordan Sigalet calls it. He's like, we're going with the Steinberg model. Yeah. I'd worry about ticking off two guys because what message are you sending to Dan Vladar when, it's time for a backup goalie to get a start and you're bringing Dustin Wolf up from the minors instead of using the guy who's on the plane, on the ice for every practice. I I think, and Dan and I have talked about Dustin Wolf in his rearview mirror and, and he has a really great, he has a really great approach to it because he, he'll tell you, like, I was that guy in Boston. So I know that Wolfie's pushing and, and it's up to me to perform better than him to keep my spot on the team. I just think by continuing to kick this downfield, the flames have opened themselves up to a lot of potential for this to go sideways. I think the easiest way to make sure that, you know, Dustin was on the same page with the organization and, the, the best way to address this was to address it in the summer. And nothing that could have changed between the first day of training camp and today would have necessarily changed my mind on that. I just think what you're doing here is you're really opening yourself up for things to go sideways. So in saying that, if the choice was you know, take an L on a trade involving Vladar. Like, say the bat, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, from everything I'm led to believe, I don't think they got the type of return they were looking for. I think a third round pick, second round pick in that conversation is is probably where it should land. Personally, I still think Vladar's got great chops. I do, and and I think a team trying to bring him in would be looking at him as a guy who's going to play 
And, and I get it to your point earlier. If you know the flames are in a tough spot, you're going to try to lowball the entire way. Of course you are. That's, that's good management on the other side. But if you're not getting the return that you're looking for, and you've got to trade it for trade them for a fifth round pick just to make sure the Dustin Wolf spot is open. Is that the best way of going about it either? And that's the part that I think a lot of people wrestle with. It's one thing that I wrestle with when I say, no, I still as unpleasant and as unideal as this situation is. I still think poor asset management and trading something away for less than what you should be getting back, I still think that is less desirable. I still think that you'd rather tackle an uncomfortable situation as opposed to making a bad move for your organization. How how soon do you see or do you see in the future Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf being the Flames tandem? Do you think that that duo is going to be Dan and Dustin. Yeah. I don't know if I see that in the cards so, only because I don't think you could, because that would mean you'd have to trade Jacob Markstrom like for next season. Right. Which you're not doing. Yeah. So you got to make a decision. I get it. Yeah. Dan, Dan's a really good goalie. You know, who was the best flame in two preseason games? Dan Vladar. Mm-hmm. So I I get it. You're as you put it, the guy's got chops, and he might very well be an NHL starter. He, he faltered in his first opportunity, but you're not you're certainly not giving up on Dan Vladar. But you know who else has really good chops? Dustin Wolf. And so at some point, yeah, hey, I own three great vehicles, but I have a two car garage. So at some point, you got to decide which two cars you're putting in the garage. Yep, and I think if I'm speaking for those who might be frustrated with today's decision, it's, well, what, what's changing? You think you're getting a better offer for Dan Vladar next month? No, you're not. Do you think if you put him on waivers, someone's going to do you a favor and take him, or, or you're going to, on the flip side of it, you're going to sit there going, geez, we never should have lost him on waivers. If the reason you lose Dan Vladar on waivers is because you needed to make a spot for Dustin Wolf. You're showing faith in your top goaltending prospect. What so you're d- doing today is saying, hey, you know, Dustin, we'll deal with this a little bit later. Or l- let's just wait until we ha- let's just wait until we clear out the garage. And and how are you clearing the garage though? Right now, you've got nice weather outside, so you can park <laughs> one of the cars outside. I got a lot of golf clubs in my garage, Pat. You got to follow me on this one. I, uh, I like, I understand that, but he's still twenty-two years old, and it's like, you go and you say, like, okay, look at when this guy came up. We think it's better for you to play games than be a backup right now. Yeah. We think it's better for you to play games than be on an NHL roster full time. And yeah, sick, your bank account looks way better, but you're you're sharing ice time and practice, and now you're sharing starts with like with Vladar, whereas you can play in the American League with a team that you love. You you love your goaltending coach and Mackenzie Skapsky. And you get an opportunity to be the guy, get the reps that you need to continue developing and maybe some NHL time. And then when we 
have the actual ability or our hand is forced, then we'll make the room for you. And maybe at some point, they do have to expose Vladar to waivers. Or at some point, they do have to make a trade that's not ideal. But for me, I think you still should take advantage of the time that you have before being forced to do that. I don't think they've been forced yet. And, and so I'm only going to play devil's advocate here. What? How, how does Dustin Wolf force their hand what what's one step up from ahl mvp i don't know if he does i think what forces their hand is oh okay it's moving closer to the end of the season it's moving closer to the trade deadline it's moving closer to next year where we don't have this fun waiver exemption anymore that is what i think forces their hand less so because you're right what Dustin can do, there's not a whole lot less left that he can do to force their hand. It, it's a tricky spot, right? Because if if you promote Dustin Wolf, and you know maybe the size is a factor at the NHL level, that that's going to be the the question mark with Dustin Wolf for his entire career. So if you that's pr- also why I like the hybrid idea. It gives you a little bit more of a fallback. Yeah, if I, it doesn't work. I just think if. If it doesn't work now with Dustin Wolf and and he's been in the minors for another season, you look back and say, geez, did we handle that properly? If if Dan Vladar is the starting goalie in two years for one of your Pacific Division rivals and they claimed him off waivers or got him for a song in a trade, you look back and say, geez, did we handle that right? I totally get it. I would not want to be Craig Conroy and his staff on this uh, like I get why this is so difficult I just don't know that this is the right way to go about it yep I love the conversation let's read some text because it's lit up the text line as it always does uh and it always has people on all sides of this thing so I'll start right at the top um what the hell did Wolf prove in preseason he didn't play better than Vladar and Markstrom uh, this from Mike in Calgary. You can't tell me that Conroy isn't actively trying to trade Dan. With the season coming, there are going to be lots of teams with goaltender issues that are looking for an answer. Dan will at some point in the season be traded if the Flames don't have a goalie injury of their own. Everyone needs to relax and let this unfold. This from Hacksaw. Buddies, does Wolf only make miners money when he's with the Wranglers? If so, that'd piss me off if I was him. To answer your question, yes, he makes... I think as West did the math, he makes... One eleventh of the money that he would make in the American League than in the NHL. I, I think it's eighty in the AHL and over eight hundred or eight hundred in the NHL. So it, at, at like at best a tenth of what he makes. Yeah, yeah. significant. Uh, this says, Pat, I would suggest the core asset management in this scenario would be not showing your top prospect that you have faith in him, and if, and it's his time, at least as the backup. No offense to Vladar, but if a fifth-round pick means you avoid any sort of firestorm as suggested, then do it. That comes from Heath. Greg in Varsity says, Wolf needs to play games more than practice, but we want to avoid a Carter Hart situation. Wolf is waiver-eligible, so he could play an NHL game midweek, not every week, and play AHL games on the weekends. Florida, Carolina, the Islanders have done this in the past. Uh, past rather, it accelerates their development. Uh, Buff and Kelowna says two years in the AHL and a hybrid year is the best case scenario for developing a goalie, not just Wolf sitting backup. Isn't helping him. Only starting in the minors is going to help him. Uh, this says guys, isn't this what the flames were guilty of in the past? 
not playing young players or sending them back to the American League. This will not end well for the Flames, in my opinion. This says souring Wolf on Calgary is worse than a loss on Vladar. This says uh, if Dustin's frustrated about not getting a shot, may he request a trade for a team that needs a goalie, therefore lose the future goalie before because they're dragging their feet. That's from Ian and Cranbrook. I, mean, I guess he could, but they probably would say, well, we're not going to do that. Um, this says, thank goodness some Flames fans aren't managing the team. The same ones that clamor for Dustin Wolf to be the goalie are also the ones who would be tearing him apart if the season doesn't go well and he's not the savior some expect him to be. He's only 22. Give it a break. Plus, you can't trade Vladar if there's no partner to dance with. Uh, this says, sending Wolf to the American League makes sense. He can stay fresh there, play in the NHL in games that make sense. There might be an injury that brings him up for more games or maybe Markstrom or Vladar... Uh, the bed and there's room for him to make an impact all things being equal a trade will need to happen between now and the start of next season that's from jameel uh, this says i understand but i don't vladar's not an nhl backup time to move on uh this says massive and here's a funny one just to, to wrap it up from wedley massive mistake one should rush goalies sign jim carrey so there's um there's wedley with a little levity to end it all off but I, I wanted to read those all in order, not curated, not picking and choosing. And Wes can vouch. I didn't pick and choose just to have one argument or to, to serve my argument. It's a lot of differing opinions on this one. Some are very much where you are. Some are very much where I am. Then there's one where it's like, I understand, but I don't understand. Like the, But it lights up the text line whenever we talk about it. And it lit up the text line this time we talked about it. You're either on Team Pat or Team Wes on this one. There's no middle ground. You pick your pony and and then we that. will and you're committed. We you're will committed. fight you to the death. Yeah, you can't change later. We will choose our weapon and we will go into an arena and the only one breathing will that's very morbid. I don't know why I went down that road. It uh you know, depth at goalie is something that the Flames haven't had the luxury of a lot in years past and, and quite frankly it's been a long time since the flames had a really good goaltending prospect like a long 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 time since the flames had a really good goaltending prospect and so i understand craig conroy's hesitation i think craig conroy has done himself a world of good by by not jumping at some poor trade offers on certain players. I think even the message he's sending to other general managers around the league that he's not going to be an easy mark for a bad trade is important. I just think there's a possibility that we're sitting here two years from today with a new arena half built and, and excitement ratcheting up about that and talking about whether this was handled properly. I hope, I hope that's not where we are. But there is that risk. And there was going to be But whatever that, decision they made, there, there was going to be that yeah. risk. Absolutely. Yeah. If you traded Dan Vladar, we'd be sitting here saying, okay, well, you know, great guy. Wish him all the best. If you're the Saddledome management, you hope he doesn't turn into a stud in another city. You hope he's not Jean-Sebastien Jaguer. Yep. There's no easy way out of this one. There really isn't. Although... Whatever decision you make, Dustin Wolf can make it look like the right decision by becoming the goalie you think he can be. 100%. 100%.
Uh, just quickly, um, the opening day roster very much starting to take shape after the moves today. So uh, Wolf to the American League. Same with Connor Zarian, Kuznetsov, Lucas Siona, and Jeremy Poirier. On top of that, Emilio Pedersen, Martin Pospisil, and Nick Simone are all on waivers. So they'll be sent to the American League once they clear on Friday. Sam Honzek's been flipped back to the Vancouver Giants of the Western League. So they're down to 30 players. That becomes 27 on Friday when the players clear. Pelche, Rooney, Shillington, not available. That drops it to 24 because they'll be eligible for IR, which takes them off the uh, active roster. Could They'll also be eligible for LTIR. We'll see if they go down that road. I think they're going to carry 22 as opposed to 23. So you go from 24 to 22. I think Klapka and Solovyov will get the last kind of the looks until the last cuts. They go back to the American League at the last possible minute, and bam, you're at 22. Is Cole Schwint waiver eligible or waiver exempt? I wish I knew that answer right off the top of my head. Yeah. I, you know, the only thing, I think you're absolutely right that they go with 22. It sure looks, and I know we're going to chat more about Cole Schwint in, a, in an upcoming segment. It sure looks like he is the front runner now to be the Flames' fourth-line center. Uh, I and can, he is indeed waivers exempt. Okay, yeah. and so that opens the door for what, I was going to mention next, I, I really think these guys are fishing on the waiver wire for a forward. I really think there's a possibility, and I don't base that on anything I've been told. I just, when I look at the forward depth right now, when it, when I see, you know, what it looks like, you look at the depth chart, I, I just, I really think there's an opportunity for the Flames to perhaps take advantage of another team trying to sneak a guy through waivers. And so if we're talking about 22, but it's 22, that's a little different than what you just said. I was wondering whether you could send Schwint down. And you can, yeah, without him needing to clear waivers. Thanks, buddy. uh, Team team Pat really pulled through there. Team Cap Friendly really pulled through there. The... so you go Solovyov, Klapka back to the American League on Monday. Yeah. Monday's when rosters need to be set. So Monday, Klapka, Solovyov, great camps. Uh, head back to the American League. This is just me guessing, but I'm I feel quite confident in this. Um, so that would leave uh, Osterley and Gilbert on the back as your six sevens, um, and then up front, Hunt and Schwint would be your twelve thirteen when it comes to forwards. Coronado on. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Coronado is on and in the opening day Jeez, lineup. If you thought I was fired about up about Dustin Wolf? Wait till they try to send Coronado <laughs> to the minors. No, they won't. They won't. Uh, so Matty on, Coronado on, Schwint on, Hunt on. That gets your thirteen forwards. Osterley on, Gilbert on. That gets you to seven. So you're at thirteen seven and two. And uh, there you are. That's probably your opening day roster, unless they do make a move on the waiver wire between now and Monday when rosters are set. Yeah, and some, you know, I I, I feel a little bit sheepish. And, and again, I know we're going to chat about it coming up soon. Like, I, I didn't give Cole Schwint a fighting chance to make this team. I, I didn't have him even on my radar of guys who would be on the bubble. So, you know, heading into... Final auditions tomorrow night uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. The fourth line center job is his to lose, yep. and maybe not even his to lose at this point. Could Con- just be his. Connor Zary heads down to the Wranglers today. Like the the stage is set for Cole Schwint to be in the lineup next Wednesday against the Winnipeg Jets, and 
I did not see that coming. Wes, Pat, underway this hour of Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement This is Flames Talk. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's dive into the Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday. It's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The 2023 Mercedes-Benz EQE350 SUV blends futuristic tech with plush luxury for $449 bi-weekly. Get yours today at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Thursday Roundtable. The opening day roster seems like, even though it is not set, it seems like you can pretty much pen in the 22-ish guys that'll be on the opening day roster, and you can even start to pen in the 20 that'll be on the opening night lineup Wednesday at home to the Winnipeg Jets. So as camp starts to wind down, you know, they even took the names off the back of the jerseys at practice. That's my uh, that's my cue that, nope, training camp has transitioned to the start of the season. There's still one more preseason game to go. But as camp winds down, guys, and as we start to look ahead to the home opener and the season opener and the start of the season, what has been the biggest surprise of this camp so far for you? Well, I guess there's a couple different ways to approach this. Uh, I guess the unforeseen would be a surprise for me. Uh, I guess it has to be a surprise because I didn't see it coming, but uh, maybe more surprised because the Flames have been relatively healthy the last couple of years, but injuries and absences have become a story during training camp in the preseason. I think we all expected Oliver Shillington to be back and to be a top four or at least top six defenseman for this team. He hasn't been available. And then one really significant injury in Jacob Peltier, who I had penciled into the top nine on the team, and one fairly significant injury in Kevin Rooney, who I think was probably the leading candidate to be the fourth line center. So that's one way to look at it. Uh, The the other way, a more positive way, would be the emergence of Matt Coronado. I mean, I thought he had a chance to make the team for sure and to play potentially a, a prominent role as the season went on. I didn't see him putting up four goals and seven points and going plus five and five preseason games. I I didn't think he would be, uh, at least in the preseason, as complete a 200-foot player, uh, a guy with an incredible work ethic without the puck. I expected him to do some impressive things with the puck, but I didn't expect him to be as good without the puck as he's been to this point. And that could all change when we get into meaningful games, but he's been a, a really pleasant surprise for me, guys. Willsie, you took a lot of surprises there. I'm not sure I have any left. I'm sorry, Wes. <laughs> you, it's a good list. It, it's a very good that list. That shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the biggest surprise, and maybe this is a little bit of recency bias based on what we heard this morning, but I, I'll i be the first to admit I, I did not give Cole Schwint any chance of making this team. You know, when we were covering the Wranglers playoff run last spring. Yeah. It was only in the last few games of their second round series that he really was playing a, a very meaningful role for the farm team. And so good on Cole Schwint. I, I did not have him knocking on the door for fourth line duties. I, I wonder how much it's been sort of by default. You take the Rooney injury, you take the fact that they, 
don't necessarily think Connor Zary is suited for a fourth line role. You take the fact that they want to play Adam Ruzichka and Dylan Dubé on the wings with Nazem Kadri. So Cole Schwintz may be kind of left there by default. But as we sit here today uh, with one preseason game to go, Cole Schwint has to be my biggest surprise. I, I just didn't have him on the radar. He and I'll I'll be honest, he wasn't on my radar either. Um, and and I think that is one of the surprises. But for me, it it really it's not that Matt Coronado is in the mix to be on the roster because I've been you know I've been saying since the beginning of the summer that I think Matt Coronado's got a great chance to make this team because he brings something that they don't have, and that's a right shot potential scoring threat off the wing. What has surprised me kind of to your point, Derek, is how emphatic it's been. Like there has been one game where I felt Matt looked uh, a little bit off. And and I wonder how much of that was just straight up fatigue. Uh, and that was the second last game that he played. So that would have been the last Friday's game in the loss to the Oilers. Uh, I, I thought he looked a little off at that night, not bad, but he just didn't have the same energy and, and didn't pop the same way. He comes back on Monday and he looks great. Scores the game-winning goal and has three points in that game. And, you know, every game he's played in, even going back to the Young Stars Classic in the final two games he's played there, you've seen things that you're like, yeah, okay, this guy looks like he is at home playing at this level. Away from the puck, he fights hard to get pucks back. And he is tenacious. It's hard to knock him off pucks when he has it on him. He's not particularly um, like he's not dazzling with the puck on his stick, but he keeps it and he's not lightning fast, but he gets there and he puts himself in good spots. And then when he's got the puck on his stick, as he showed on that game winning goal on Monday, he's got an NHL level shot. And, and so what has surprised me is how kind of seamless and obvious it's been because I thought he was going to be in the mix. I thought he was going to push. There was a great chance that he would be in. I just didn't think it would have been obvious, you know, a week, week and a half before the season began that he's going to be on the team. And it's obvious now. The fact he didn't play in the game last night in Edmonton shows you that, yeah, he's pretty much there. So I think what has been the biggest surprise is just how seamless and how kind of shrug your shoulders. Like, yeah, he's on the team. That's, that's what has been the biggest surprise. I'm with you, Pat. And this could change because he's played in one regular season game and it wasn't a meaningful one at the end of last season. And he's played in five preseason games against some decent teams and some not so decent the teams. Varying levels standards. of competition. Yeah. So this could change. So I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with that. But for me, Matt Coronado has been the most impressive first year professional the Flames have had since Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. I think that's fair. Can't really now, can't Kachuk think of anybody 18. since then. Yeah, that yeah, I was just thinking about it as we were chatting here. Kachuk was 18 and when training camp and the preseason started that year, he was not penciled in to to play pro hockey. He was going to go back to the London Knights, but he just didn't give the Flames a choice. Uh with Coronado, he's going to play pro hockey either way and he's 20. He's uh a little bit older, a little bit more mature probably both mentally and physically because he went to college and went to Harvard. But uh, yeah, he's been really, really impressive. And it's not just the fact that he's a a right shot, right winger, 
who can shoot the puck and score goals. And, you know, the Flames needed a guy like that. They don't have a lot of right shots, let alone guys who can shoot it like he can. But, again, it's his 200-foot game. I think that's probably been the most surprising thing for me. I don't think it's it's far-fetched, and I, I certainly don't think it's a shoe-in, but I, I don't think it's far-fetched that Matt Coronado could score 20 goals nope, as a rookie in the NHL. Yeah, And that's something Matthew Kachuk didn't do. That That's something we haven't seen since Johnny uh, Gaudreau and Sean, Sean Monaghan, Monaghan and, yeah. and then before that since... Dion Phaneuf, we're going back a lot of a lot of years there in Calgary, and you know I was chatting with Mark Savard today, and he sort of volunteered out of nowhere that he wouldn't mind seeing Matt Coronado on the top power play unit at some point, and so that speaks to the impression that this young man has made. Like it's not that when we talk about foregone conclusions, like him making the team has seemed like a certainty since night one of the preseason yeah. well, good on him yeah and and guys do you remember who was the centerman who helped a young Matthew Kachuk uh, ease his way into the NHL and uh, helped him get his footing yeah it was Michael Backlund yeah yeah same guy who's currently centering Matt Coronado I don't think there's a, a coincidence there the uh, last thing I'll say on Matt before we jump to the next topic is just uh I Somebody asked me on one of the uh, on a on a text on one of the more recent post game shows asked like when is the last time the Flames had kind of like a, a score pure score prospect like Coronado and like it was Monahan and before that it was Jerome McGinley. That, that those are the from a wow. straight up sniper standpoint that have been drafted and developed and I know Jerome wasn't drafted by the Flames but developed by the Flames. It was Jerome, and then we didn't see anything like Jerome from a rookie scoring sensation front since Sean Monaghan. That was a decade ago when he made his debut. So a decade later, it's it's Matt Coronado. And that's not a knock on Kachuk or Gaudreau. They just weren't pure snipers, even though they've both scored. I mean, has Johnny scored 40? He's definitely scored 30 multiple times, and Matthew yeah. scored 40. So, yeah, I mean, they've both had high-end totals, but I don't think you look at them as straight-up snipers. Whereas I think Monaghan, yes, and Coronado, I think that's kind of going to be his bread and butter too. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's exciting. And the fact that he shoots right makes it even more exciting because also don't true. have a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, okay, topic two on our Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek West. My name is Pat. Um, so we know that the Flames have sent a number of players over the last week to the American League. Calgary Wranglers training camp is underway. Three more will join those group, uh, join that group rather Friday afternoon. DeSimone, Pedersen, Pospisil will join the group that went down earlier on Thursday. We've got a pretty good idea who's going to be on the American League roster. We can even throw guys like Solovyov and Klapka into this conversation. Feels like on the opening night roster, barring injury, probably won't happen. So I'm just curious, of the, of the guys who pushed but haven't ultimately made it, to start the year in the NHL. Who are you most interested in seeing at some point this coming season get the recall and get that first opportunity in the NHL? Well, it really depends on need. Uh, If the Flames have to deal with an injury, is it a forward? Is it a defenseman? Is it a goaltender? And uh, what role do you need that player to play? Uh, I think the easy answer would be Dustin Wolf, but he wasn't overly impressive in the preseason. And I think Dan Vladar is still 
uh, a more proven, if nothing else, goaltender at this level. So I'm going to go with uh, a forward, and I'm going to go with Connor Zeri because I quite liked his game, even though the Flames were overmatched by the Oilers last night. The Oilers had, what, 14 to 16 NHL regulars, the Flames seven or maybe eight in their lineup. So we didn't uh, expect that game to go Calgary's way, and it certainly didn't uh, beyond the first period up in Edmonton. But I quite liked Zeri last night. And I've liked him in the preseason. He's got two goals and three points. He's plus four in four games played. And I understand why the Flames sent him down to the Wranglers and kept Schwint up with the big club because they're not looking for a a scoring centerman on their fourth line. They're looking for a guy who's just maybe going to be better defensively and uh, maybe has a little bit more size. And Schwint is definitely a bigger guy than Zeri. But I think... Fourth lines are changing around the NHL. And you've got a guy on, on the right side of that line in Walker Dewar who can, yeah, play a 200-foot game and he's got good size and he can skate and he's got those intangibles. But I also think that there's some offensive upside there. And I'm not sure who's going to be on the left side of that right line. Right now it's Blake Coleman, and he's a two-time 20-goal scorer in this league as well. So I think if you had an offensive-minded centerman on that line, that line could chip in offensively. And it addition to being a good energy line and uh, a line that you feel you can you can put out there and play I don't know 12 or so minutes a game so yeah I like to see Connor's area at some point in time and if there's an injury up the middle in your top nine then I think uh, he would probably be the first guy who gets the call I think it's only a matter of time before we see Connor's area at this point get a look in the NHL but if I had to pinpoint the guy I'm most anxious to see or or most excited to see get a recall it's Dustin Wolf and the reason is this we you know I've been talking to Dustin Wolf ever since he was selected at the very end of the NHL draft in 2019 you cannot get through a five-minute interview with Dustin without him talking about proving people wrong and He knows all those teams passed on him over and over and over because he wasn't going to be big enough. And it's all about proving people wrong. And that's, that has been a pretty good motivator for a guy who has been the best goalie in the American hockey league the past two seasons. Well now, and I don't say this from a, a controversial way. Now he wants to prove the flames wrong. He wants to prove that he should be in the NHL, that this is, that this is not necessary that he's back with the Calgary Wranglers. And I'm, I'm super intrigued by his next NHL start for that very reason. It can be hard to put for a goalie. It can be hard to put that much pressure on yourself that tonight's going to be the night I show them. I shouldn't be in the AHL, but I'm really curious given the makeup of the young man and his skill level Mm -hmm. to see how Dustin Wolf treats that next one. I'll, uh, I'll just add a third because I, I do think that if they run into problems on the back end, I I think the first guy that they would tap right now is uh, Wes's boy, Ilya Solovyov. I don't think he'll start the year with the group. I I think it's pretty clear. It'll be Osterley and, and Gilbert who start the season with the flames and uh, they can kind of be interchangeable as a six, seven, depending on the matchup, but they run into problems on defense. I, I, and, or even if they run into a minor injury on defense, I think Solovyov is is that first call. He's had a good camp. He is gradually in two full seasons, one in Stockton and one in Calgary in the American League, has, has gradually just gotten better and endeared himself more to the organization. And honestly, 
everything that I've heard every, in, and, and talking to people with the organization or people outside the organization, if that's a normal draft year and things are a little bit more normal when he's picked and there's less questions about worldwide immigration and worldwide travel and, you know, a guy from Belarus coming back to North America, all that type of stuff. If that, if the world wasn't as wacky as it was in October, 2020, I bet you Solovyov goes a couple of rounds higher is, is basically what I've been told. And is he ever going to be a flashy NHL defenseman? No, he'll be a nice solid four, five, six. And if the Flames need a solid third-pair defender at some point this year because they've run into injuries and somebody's got to move up the lineup, I think that he's the guy that uh, they'd recall. And I'd, I'd be super – Wes has won me over on him, and I'd be super excited to see him. Well, he's won me over. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed watching him play in the preseason. And if I had to pick uh, one player at each position, it would be Dustin Wolf in goal. It would be Ilya Solovyov on defense, and it would be Connor Zeri at forward. So I think we're all on the same page. And uh, a play last night that really stood out to me in that game against the Oilers is he was in a foot race uh, back into the defensive zone with Zach Hyman. And Solovyov's got good size. He's 6'3", just over 200, I believe. And I thought he played Hyman perfectly, kind of got up high, ran him into the end boards, made Hyman mad. Hyman retaliated and started punching him and took a penalty. So I, I thought it was just a really smart play by Soloviev, be physical on one of the order's top forwards and make him mad and, and goad him into taking a penalty. And, uh, yeah, I just really impressed. And, again, I don't think, uh, like you, Pat, that he's going to be a, a big-time point producer in the NHL level, but uh, looks like uh, a guy who could be a pretty good kind of defensive defenseman. And uh, for a big guy, he skates pretty well as well. It's a, it's a new regime, obviously, with the Flames, but they – they have gone out of their way since I've been covering the team to make the guys who go on that sort of last preseason road trip, the one they treat like a regular season game, they really go out of their way to make those guys feel like even if they are in the AHL to start the season, they're going to be a part of it. And if you're Ilya Solovyov or if you're Adam Klapka or even if you're Cole Schwint, if something changes for him between now and opening night, those are guys that they definitely want to know, hey, you're going to be part of this. Yep. Uh, yep. Good stuff. Go ahead. Sorry, quickly. Yeah, I was going to say Dryden Hunt's the other guy for me. I think he's had one off night in the preseason, but he's played a ton. Even last night, seven hits in that game against the Oilers. And I think there's a good chance he's going to start uh, not in the opening night lineup, but on the opening day roster. And he's a guy with some versatility that can play all three forward positions. So, I suspect we probably see him in the Flames lineup sooner rather than later as well. Thank you, Willsey. Okay, guys. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, as we start to wrap up this hour. Thanks to uh, Cam and Taylor, our producers. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. This hour wraps up, and so does the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book a service appointment to select rims, have them put on before the snow falls, and enjoy the bistro while you wait at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills.